good morning, good morning. Um, I got to say, I love that we get to be together in all the ways we get to be together. So all of you online, praise God, you're online with us. All of you on the patio, including the dogs, our dog number is growing. Praise God that you guys are here. And all of you in the building today, man, I could hear you worshiping. Could you hear everybody else worshiping? Yeah. So super, super cool to be together. Um, I want to talk to you about something that I know can change your life. This can set you on the right trajectory. This can set your life direction in a great way. You may be practicing this now, or <laughs> you may really need to hear this message. But what are we getting at? We're going to be in the book of James, but before we get there, don't miss this. Uh, the Gottmans uh, are very famous for uh, a marriage counseling and the study of marriage. And uh, what they've done, the Gottman Institute in the 1970s did an incredible study on how our words make a difference. So if I were to ask you this question, how are you doing in your communication to your friends, to uh, your family, uh, in your marriage, at work or at church? By the way, at church. How do you do here? How is your communication defined? What would be true of it? What are the characteristics of how you communicate? See, in the 1970s, the Gottmans did this. Dr. Gottman and Dr. Levinson did a nine-year study that has now been replicated in many different settings. And they found out something. They found out that you need to have five to one positive communication to negative communication. Five to one. Now, that then has been uh, studied by Harvard Business School uh, in a field of education, which I'm going to get to in a minute. But let me just say this. What does that mean? That means you need to listen, lean in. You need 500% more positive than negative. Five to one is 500% more positive ways of communicating than negative ways of communicating. Now, they found after their nine-year study that that was the difference between a happy marriage and an unhappy marriage. They found out after that nine-year study, it was the difference between a happy family and an unhappy family. So let's think about this now. This is super important to you. This is big. Are you 500% more positive in your communication than negative? Uh, the Harvard Business School found this out uh, in working with teams. Uh, and in 2013, they published their study. And they found when you think about when you're at work and you're working with other people, when you're in a setting that's 500% more positive than negative or 5 to 1, guess what happens? Everybody does better. Everybody's more engaged. The number one uh, method of understanding engagement at work is based on that. You get up in the morning wanting to go to work, but when that percentage is off, you don't feel that way. By the way, that's had me thinking about what meetings do I want to go to and what meetings do I dread? And I can already tell you ahead of time, it's the ones that aren't 500% more positive, uh, which, by the way, faith should be positive. Then Education and Behavior uh, just published this year a study of classroom experiences. And they found that teachers who live by the 5 to 1 principle, if you're an educator, listen to this, teachers who practice the 5 to 1, the 500% more positive, their students were more engaged 
and they had less classroom problems. The ones who didn't practice that, the students were less engaged and they had more classroom problems. And while I don't want to throw guilt on teachers, let me say this to you, you're the game changer. You're the game changer. And you need to take that responsibility on and say, I'm going to make a difference in that. This is true, by the way, uh, in a dating relationship. So all of you who are single, you might say, how come I can't keep a relationship? Well, do you practice the five to one? Ah, and what we need to understand is when we violate that, we get into trouble. So this might sound so simple, but it's so powerful. It all comes down to this. Not only what you say, but, are you ready? How. How you what? So let's try it together. It's what you say and it's how you say it. Yeah, it's how you say it. And so we need to understand that makes a huge difference. Uh, we all know that's true. We all see it happening. Uh, imagine, by the way, that this is, your, this is what's happening in relationships you're in. And so what happens is you say a couple of positive things, but then you hit them with that negative thing. That negative thing like, why can't you do anything right? Uh, and that, that grinds into their brain. Or how about this? You always... I don't have to finish it. If you use you always, almost for sure that's a bad thing. And, and, and then how about this one? You never, you never. Uh, uh, and so that's just et etched in their brain. And then you might even try this one. Uh, you know, why can't you be more like? Oh, that, oh that, does it. that is like grinding. And so then what happens is you hit them with that fatal flaw, that straw that broke the camel's back with that sarcastic comment like, fine. Fine. And that's what happens. Yeah. yeah. And it just turns into a volcano that explodes or it turns into a relationship gone south. It ends up being horrible. And it's those little negative comments that come and come and come. By the way, we know this neurologically. Are you ready? In your brain, you etch those negative comments in more than the positive ones. Does everybody know that's true? Okay, you all know that's true. And, and so James tells us something. James says this. He says in James 1, verse 26, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Now, let me say, let me say that in a little bit different way. He said, you can say you're a Christian, but your Christianity is worthless if you're not more positive than negative. That's what he's saying. It's worthless. It is worthless. You can't have a mouth that kind of praises and turns around and attacks. If you're not more constructed by far, 500% more, then God says you're going to get into trouble. So what we're doing in this section of James is we're taking what we call the faith test. And here's where the faith test comes down to. Those who have a real faith in Jesus Christ, a genuine faith in Jesus Christ, will be 500% more positive than negative in their communication. Whether that's verbal or whether that's facial. By the way, you're, sometimes you've said the right words, but your face speaks really loudly. It could be a text. It could be on social media. Some of you ought to scan your social media. Are you 500% more positive than negative? 
uh, and just begin to ask that question. Listen to what Jesus said. He begins out with something pretty harsh, which by the way, this is so seldom true of Jesus that ought to be a little bit shocking. He starts out with the word, you brood of snakes. Now again, he hardly ever attacked like that. And then he goes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. In other words, and we say this all the time, but we ought to say this all the time, that I can tell what's in your heart and you can tell what's in my heart based on what I say. It is an accurate measure of who you really are. And Jesus said a good person produces good things from the treasury of his good heart and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So James comes down to saying this. Let's take the faith test. Let's get really honest about who we are. Let's take an honest look at ourselves, And maybe this is even better. Let's honestly listen to ourselves and ask that question. Are we 500% more likely uh, to say positive things? So let me actually uh, put it in a way that maybe can make more sense to you. Are you fun to listen to and are you fun to be around? When someone gets a text from you, do they light up like, oh, good? Or do they go, uh-oh. Uh, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but I get some emails from some of you. And as soon as I see your name, I'm like, here it goes. Here it goes. I'm going to be praying for you. That's not true of my wife, by the way. When I get a text from Pam, a call from Pam, man, I know something good's coming. By the way, anybody here know my wife, Pam? Isn't that true? Nobody here dreads of getting something from her. You know why? Because she's got a good heart. And, and so we need to ask that question. Do people get brighter eyes when they see you? I, I heard a conductor uh, be interviewed on 60 Minutes. His name's Daniel Berenbaum. And ben, Daniel Berenbaum said this. He said, I live my life wanting this to occur. I want when people see me that, that they'll have bright eyes. In other words, oh, you're here. Uh, by the way, when they hear from you, they should have bright eyes. So I've added on to what Daniel Bierenbaum said. Whenever you guys are around me, I want you to light up. There's Pastor Chuck. And after we've been together, I want you to walk away with brighter eyes. To do that, I need 500% more positive interaction with you than negative. So let's dive into what James is saying here. He begins to talking to people like me. And before you tune this out, just at least lean in and think about the responsibility that I carry as your pastor. And in James chapter 3 verse 1, it says, let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that such will incur a stricter judgment. In other words, God himself will judge me stricter than God judges you. And I take that very, very seriously. In this last season, while I don't pretend I'm perfect, let me tell you, in this last year of COVID, I'm going to ask you, did I, was I more positive or more negative? How was I as your pastor? And I hope positive. I hope positive, yeah. <laughs> Speaking words of faith. Words of optimism. By the way, faith is never negative. Calling for us to be people of prayer. And, and, and you know what? I want to be that way. <laughs> I cringe inside when I go home or when I get in the car and Pam looks at me and says, do you know what you said and how you said it? <laughs> 
By the way, I have people on purpose. I want to have them call me on it. You know why? Because one day God's going to hold me accountable for it. And that, that's anybody who teaches the word. You, you pick up a, the mantle to teach the word. You better know God will judge you. And God judges me. And you know what? I'm going to take that seriously. And all the pastors on our staff will. So he says, if you're teaching the word, you need to take your word seriously. Now, by the way, then he goes to everybody, which includes me. So now let's get ready for all of us here. He says, do you not know that your words can bring life or your words can bring death? Now listen to that again. Your words can bring life or your words can bring death. Death in friendships. Death in your family. Death in your marriage, uh, or or it can bring life in your friendships, life in your family, life in your uh, uh, marriage, life at your church. When you walk into church, are you someone who's encouraging and building up? Uh, uh, and, and it says that's what's true. And so James gives this warning to all of us. He says, for we can all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. He said, you know what, all of us stumble, all of us mess up. He said, but you know what, if you can watch what you say, you're going to do far better is what he's saying. Then he, he brings it home with two illustrations. Number one, if we put bits into horses' mouths so they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. I, don't, I want to actually know how many of you remember. How many of you remember when I brought a Clydesdale out on stage? Anybody remember? Okay, uh, quite a few of you remember that. So for any of you who didn't know what happened, we got this huge Clydesdale. I mean, it was big. And the goal was to bring it out on here on stage, uh, which just in itself was going to be astounding. So we obviously would practice that. I wouldn't just bring him out and let him jump on you, you know. Um, so we, we decided we'd practice. So he's out here, and I walked up to say hi to the owner and to the Clydesdale. And I'm talking to the owner, and the Clydesdale took his big head and hit me. And he hit me so hard, I flew. I mean, and to him, it was nothing. And the owner goes, oh, I'm sorry. If you don't pet him, he gets mad. <laughs> and he said, so when you're on stage, you pet him or you're going to pay a price in front of everybody. <laughs> Here's what I want to tell you. We brought out a horse that could crush me or crush you, but we weren't afraid. Why? We had a bit in his mouth. That little tiny thing's what made me safe. That little tiny thing's what stopped our church from being sued for a huge amount of money. <laughs> Does everybody know how strong a horse is and all we need is what? A bit. And he said, you know what? Your life could be going great, but if you don't control this, you're in trouble. Your marriage could have incredible possibility and potential, but if you don't control this, you're in trouble. You could be the greatest mom or dad. Matter of fact, your motive, you could say, I would do anything for my kids. But if you don't control this, what is he saying? You can wreck it all. So then he goes on to say this in verse 4. Look at the ships. He's talking about ships uh, uh, back in his day. But I want you to think about ships in our day. He says, also, though they are so great and, and they're driven by strong winds... They're still directed by what? A small rudder. 
uh, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So is the tongue, is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. So what is he saying? What is he saying is this, is that you need to understand, no matter how big that ship is, it's a little tiny rudder that, that causes the direction of the ship to go where it will. Uh, in World War II, I don't know if you get intrigued by this, but in World War II, uh, England was waging war against Nazi Germany. Uh, they were losing a battle in the air, but they were also losing the battle on the sea. It's the first time ever that, that Great Britain had ever thought we were going to lose on the sea. And one ship, more than any other, determined uh, what was going to happen in their naval battles. It was the Bismarck. Uh, the Bismarck, which the Nazis used, it was considered invincible and it was considered unbeatable. Uh, and so what happened is whenever they entered into a sea battle and the Bismarck showed up, they always lost. So Winston Churchill stood up one day, uh, Winston Churchill, that incredible orator, and he pounded a table, and they say he pounded and pounded and pounded, saying, sink the Bismarck, sink the Bismarck. And, and all of his commanders, while they agreed, we've got to do it, they thought, how? Even when we outnumber it, even when it's outmanned, that ship is so incredible, and the crew on it is so experienced, we can't win. So here was the admonition, you somehow sink that ship. And so they went into hunting for the ship and hunting for the ship. And one day they discovered where it was. They were able to get more of their ships and more of their U-boats out there to take it on. Even a couple of, of, of submarines. And they go into battle and they're starting to lose and starting to lose. And again, they're going to go down in defeat. And then all of a sudden it happens. The Bismarck goes to make a turn, but it, it gets erratic. And at that moment, they knew they were in trouble. And so they go to try to get away. But they're starting to toss and turn and not able to get away. And it left them in an ability where they could not fight. And it put them in a place where they could not defend themselves. And Britain sunk the Bismarck. Now, I don't know if you're wondering how, why. Let me tell you why. They found out later that a torpedo that was not even aimed that way, that just kind of fortunately went the right direction, hit the rudder of the Bismarck. The only way to take down the invincible ship was to take out its rudder. What is James saying? Did you hear what James said? That if, I, if, if Satan wants to ruin your marriage, he controls your mouth. Uh, if you want to be uh, go down in your business, go down in your profession, it says Satan's just got to go after your mouth. See, because that's what's going to determine your life direction. Your direction in life will go the right way or the wrong way based on how you speak. By the way, and, and, and if you go back to where I started, this is eternal what we're looking at. This has been written for the ages, but what did we find in the 1970s, 80s, 90s, and in the 2000s? Research that says, guess what? The Bible's true. What you say and how you say it makes all the difference in this world. All the difference in this world. And many, many of you right now are paying a price for what you've said and how you've said it. Some of you are paying, by the way, a, a, a great price. And we look back and wonder how can we even try to fix it. Others of you, get ready for this, are, are 
are actually inheriting a great reward for what you say and how you say it. Because people love you. People want to be around you. Uh, People want to interact with you. Let me just ask you a question. If you're in sales, doesn't it make sense you'll do better in sales if people love you, like you, and want to be around you? I mean, everybody here, that's so simple, right? If you're a salesman and people are like, "Uh uh-oh, here they come, you're not going to do well. But if they're like, oh my gosh, so-and-so is coming in today, you've got to meet him or her. It's going to change everything. In the classroom, it changes everything. In your business setting with your team, it changes everything. In your marriage, it changes everything. I don't know if you heard about the guy that came into work and he looked horrible. And they said, uh, did you wake up crabby this morning? And he said, no, I let her sleep. (laughs) The Bible actually says it's better to live in the corner of a cold house attic than in a warm house with a crabby woman. So some of you are going, whoa, Chuck, that was a little cold. I'm just quoting scripture. Get ready. So the tongue is powerful, and it can set the direction of your life. The tongue is powerful, and if not watched after, it can have dire consequences. James 3 verse 6 says this, and the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among the members at that which defiles the entire body. In other words, everything in your body, everything in your life is shaped by how you use your tongue, how you use your communication. And it sets on fire the course of our life. And it is set on fire by hell. I think that is a powerful statement. That uh, the words are either from heaven or from hell. And uh, if we're not careful, even as a believer, that can shift over. Then it says in verse 7, For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles, of creatures, of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Now when you read those words, hopefully you're like me going, Whoa, wait a minute then. James, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to you? No one can tame the tongue. It's impossible for you to be perfect in your speech. You're always going to, someplace, sometime, say the wrong thing and maybe say it in the wrong way. And then you say, okay, well, that doesn't sound very positive, but here's what James is wanting you to know. What is impossible with you, what is impossible with me, is possible with God. See, the God of the impossible, yeah, praise God for that. The God of the impossible can tame your tongue. Now, it may not be easy. It may be difficult. But you can be tamed. James said every species of animal can somehow be tamed. Uh, I was one time at Knott's Berry Farm, and I saw a guy who had trained sidewinder rattlesnakes. Now, he would put them in little dresses. He had them pull a little wagon. He hooked them up and they pulled a wagon together, by the way. How do you get two sidewinders to pull together like that? And so I got to ask the guy, I said, how did you train them to do that? And here was his answer. It was really hard. (laughs) It was really hard. How do you tame your tongue? Get ready. It's really hard. 
But by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can have the fruit of the Holy Spirit coming through your tongue. Words of love, goodness, kindness, truth, patience, and more, faithfulness. All that can be coming out of your mouth. By the way, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that's all that can come out of your mouth. To have anything else as a believer come out of your mouth, you got to quench the Holy Spirit. So you and I need to understand that, he, that we have a choice in this. See, James said this, your words can bring life or your words can bring death. It's your choice. So in James 3, 9, he says, with our mouth, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of Christ. By the way, I'm not trying to be negative. I just think it's worth saying in this last year, how many times has the heart of God been broken when one minute we're saying we praise God and the next minute we're attacking people? By the way, let me say this. If you're a Republican, then I want to tell you people who are Democrats are made in the image of God. If you're a Democrat, Republicans are made in the image. Some of you think I'm cussing. No, I'm not. <laughs> hey, by the way, independents are too. Does the Bible say blessed only those who you agree with or what? Let me say this. It, it comes down to not what they're doing. It comes down to what's in your heart. I want to say that again. It's big. I don't care what they're doing. How you communicate tells everything about who you are. And you gotta, you gotta own it. You gotta own it. There, and, and you can't excuse it. So he goes on to say this. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out the same opening uh, from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives and a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. And, and here's what he said. You can pretend all you want, but what's coming out of your mouth either brings life or brings death. And you need to understand that, that in the end, it will clearly be known. And it can clearly be seen. And it definitely can be heard. So the Lord's calling for you. The Lord's calling for me to understand this. That what you say and how you say it. It sets the trajectory of your life, whether you go up or you crash and burn. It sets the direction of your life, whether you go the right direction or go the wrong direction. It, it brings life to or death to your friendships. Man, you could have better friendships. It brings life or death to your family, your children, your grandchildren. Based on how you act and interact with them, positive 500% more or negative. It's about your marriage. Uh, uh, when I get people in counseling, uh, marriage counseling, I always ask this question. Tell me, uh, in your communication to each other, is it more positive or more negative? And then I start pressing them towards the 500%. By the way, the Gottmans found the greatest predictor of divorce is the way you communicate. Is it positive or negative? And uh, it, it is interesting to note that Peter said this. He said, you're not going to get a positive marriage by, by griping, by complaining, and by harping on somebody. He said, you've got to use pure faith. 
and, and by the way, your business. I, I think that everybody here ought to take a look and step back and say, when I'm in my place of profession, am I 500% more positive than negative? See, your words shape everything about you. Your words bring life or your words bring death. And you know what's so interesting? That is most true and very true about what matters most in your life, your relationship with God. Because I want you to think about what it says in Romans. In Romans, Paul said that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For with the mouth, we confess bringing salvation. Isn't it interesting? God said it comes down to your words. Now, they need to be words spoken from the heart. They need to be words that are meant. But I think it's so interesting that the Lord tells you and the Lord tells me. He said, if you want a real relationship with me, you just need to say it and mean it. You have to confess with your mouth you love me. And by the way, it does start out with the one-time prayer, but it needs to be constant in who you are after that. That you're constantly confessing that you love the Lord. That you have a relationship with him. That you are in awe of him, and that you want your heart and life directed by him. But those words become words of life, and to not say them with meaning brings about eternal death. So some of you right now need to see your life change. You need to see something different occur and something better happen. And the Bible says it all begins by you calling out on the name of the Lord. Isn't it interesting? It says call on the name of the Lord, which means speak it, say it, and life comes. For some of you, you need to pray a prayer for right now to commit your life to Christ for the very first time. Some of you need to recommit your life to the Lord. You know, right now, if you're saying, you know, I'm going to get real honest, I'm not sure I'm 500% more positive than negative, then it's time for you to let the Lord do some work on your heart. And so what do you do? The Bible says you repent, which by the way, repent is a beautiful, beautiful word. A lot of people think repent some bad thing. Like I walk out here going, repent, you know, let me tell you what, I'm going to give it to you in the actual translation. You can change. That's what repent means. If someone says to you, you know what, you can change, you can be different, you can be better, that's repentance. Isn't that a nice word? And that word that God communicates, even that is positive. Right now, some of you need to know you can change, you can repent. And how do you do it? It starts by saying something to God. So I'm going to lead a prayer right now. And if you're ready to open your heart to the Lord or ready to recommit your life to the Lord, or maybe your marriage, maybe you're together right now with your spouse and look at each other and say, hey, let, let's start over. Let's get this better. Let's get this right. Our marriage can be great. Pray this prayer together. Maybe right now you're single. And by the way, God loves you. And, and, and you may not feel that. And, and you've been saying negative things about yourself even. It's time to change that. Pray this prayer with me. So right now, this could be big for you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And all you who love the Lord, pray for people to say yes to him. Let's pray. Father, I love how true your word is. And while I've never doubted the accuracy of Scripture, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the more we study humans and behavior, we begin to see how your word points us to life and not death, tells us what will matter, 
what we need, who we're to be, how we're to act. Lord, I pray right now that there would be some who this could be their day of very real change. Rather than walking out of here going, wow, that hurt a little bit, they could walk out of here going, I'm going to be different. And that, Lord, the only way their mouths will change, their communication will change, is when you change their heart. So I pray right now for that to happen for some as they call out to you. Right now, whether you're on the patio or in the building or online, let me ask you a question. Is God speaking to you? Is God calling out to you? If so, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's holding me back or holding me down. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. Now here's the word. Say, I say yes. Notice it's I say. You're going to say it. Right now, if you've said nothing else, just say it. Say, I say yes. Lord, I pray for someone right now that they... There's something going on. They need to do it. They need to, even right now, say, I say yes. If that's you, say, I say yes. I say yes to you, Lord, and I say yes to the life you have for me. Take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. Wow. Amen if you prayed that prayer. And if you pray that prayer, praise God.